This is the 318 Podcast, Episode 1. If you have a voice, speak up for the voiceless. If you live to serve others, serve with the cheerfulness that shines through the storm. If you have the gift of building up, begin to build his kingdom on earth. If you have the gift of tearing down, bring the enemy down one brick at a time. If you have the gift of leadership, lead his people back to him. If you have the gift of guidance, show the world his way. If you have more love to give, then find the unloved and shower them. If you have the gift of tongue, then use your words to bring nations together. Speak up for the voiceless. Welcome to the 318 Podcast, where we talk with people from around the community that are tirelessly working for the voiceless. I'm your host, Jennifer Bates. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Today, I, Meg Pruitt, am going to take over as your host to get to know Jennifer Bates a little more, both for myself and for the community. So one thing I would really like to know from you is why you decided to start this podcast. Great question. Um, First of all, thank you, Meg, for agreeing to do this. I know this is way out of your comfort zone, Um, sitting and talking on not camera, but microphone. There you go. That's the word I was looking for. Um, So I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, Let's see. Why did I start 318 Podcasts? So I started this because... um, Proverbs 31.8 has been stuck in my head for about a decade. Um, It is the only verse outside of John 3.16 that the whole world knows um, that I that has resonated in me and that even though I don't know it word for word, I know basically what it is saying. And it's saying to speak up for the voiceless and ensure justice for all. And so it's just been sticking with me for a decade. And I've looked at it from many different ways. I've tried many different things on how to make 318 resonate in the world. Um, But nothing has really stuck until now when I realized the speak up for the voiceless is... Everybody has voiceless people in their world. Some, um, it all depends on what you've been through. Um, Whatever your life experiences are, whatever you've gone through in your life tends to gravitate you towards one way or another based on um, those experiences. So let's say, God forbid, you've dealt with cancer, then you have a special place in your heart for people with cancer. And you will... Anytime you see a charity or an event or something come up, that sits with you. And so you want to be a part of it. Um, Let's say you've been a victim of domestic violence. Then anytime you see anything that's got something to do with that, you want to help. You want to reach out. You want to get involved because you have been there before. Um, So everybody has voiceless in their world. And there are some in which... Their experiences have silenced them, so they are their voiceless, which is what I found for myself. So um, I always say I've lived many, many lives. Um, I'm not that old. Um, I'm only in my mid-40s for those that are counting the years right now. Um, but, But I have lived many lives because my life has taken me many different directions. 
um, from choices that I've made, from choices that others have made for me. Um, And so I have essentially become silent in my life and I have been very, very quiet um, so as not to rock the boat so to say. Um, So I am my voiceless. And so I think the reason why Proverbs stuck with me so much is because at some point I was going to have to find my voice. And here we are, me finding my voice through this 318 podcast and helping others to find their voice also. So when I see you around the community and um, not only at For the Kingdom, but at other places, I find that people um, resonate with you, especially younger people. Um, I think one of your nicknames is Mama J. It is. It is. <laughs> How did you know or did you know you were made to be a mother? Hmm. Um, I did not know. Not in the beginning. Um, I was a young child with dreams, too, of, you know, um, I don't even remember what they were. I think, no, I do. I lied. <laughs> I remember that at one point I wanted to be a dancer, Um, which is probably why my favorite show at this day and age is So You Think You Can Dance, because it's an amazing show. Um, And I watch it every summer. Um, But I did. I wanted to be a dancer. And then life took me a different direction. Um, And I became a mother at a very young age. I was a mother at 16 years old to my beautiful baby girl. who is now in her late 20s, because I'm in my my mid-40s, remember that, okay? Um, but um, I became a mother at a young age, and I took it seriously. Like, it was not a, um, oh, well, I had a baby, but I'm still going to do me. You know what I mean? I took it so seriously that I literally put myself to the side um, in order to take care of her. And then I um, had more children, and um, children kept what's the word I'm looking for, Um, gravitating towards me um, in many different ways. So um, I have nine children today, some by birth, some by adoption, um, some by marriage. And it's just the way they come to me is the way God has them to come to me. Um, But I love each and every one of them. And I think I was he- I was put on this earth to be a mother, um, not just a mother, um, which I'm learning, but it's taken me over two decades to learn this, that I am more than a mother. Um, but I was put here um, to mother the next generation as best I could um, so that they know that they are powerful human beings when they walk out of my home and into the world. Um, so, Yeah. Yeah. So speak a little bit more to that. What else do you feel like, um, other than being a mom, that you, Jennifer Bates, want to be and are? Hmm. Hmm. That's a harder question than the mom question, (laughs) because I'm just now learning who I am. Um, And so um, I don't know. I don't know fully. I'm still exploring, which is why this Speak Up for the Voiceless um, is here. Like I've I've got the blog. I love to write. I have been a writer for the majority of the last three to four decades since somebody put a pencil in my hand and said, here, write A, B, C, D. Um, And I love writing. So I do. I have a blog right now that kind of goes along with this podcast. Um, And 
it goes with it and it doesn't. Um, some of it's just random thoughts that pop in my head. Some of them are poetry. Um, some of them are like after a podcast is over, how did I, how did that make me feel? What happened in that podcast? So um, I think a writer I would like to be, I don't know what form of writer, like if it's strictly blog, if it's a book, if it's children's books, because I have um, been trying to dabble in that a little bit. Um, I don't know, but I love to write. So hopefully writing is somewhere in what I do and who I am in the future. <laughs> is it true that you already have a book? Yes, it's true that I already have a book. <laughs> um, I do. I have a book out there. It's called She Rose. Um, it's kind of like a short story trilogy um, with the, it's broken up into three sections, hence the trilogy part. Um, the It's a broken, chosen, and broken, forgiven, and chosen. Um, the broken just speaks about a time in my life in which, yeah, I found myself totally broken. Um, and I was going through it for a little while. Forgiven is about um, me forgiving the people in my life that I wasn't necessarily bold enough to forgive in person, um, but I could on paper because it's a little bit different. Um, and so... It's it was to help me move forward because there was a lot of stuff that I was holding on to that nobody ever knew about. Um, and so it was just it was more to to free myself um, because I don't I didn't expect apologies or anything from anybody because it wasn't that type of forgiveness. It was more to allow myself to move on and live and put my past in the past. Um, and then chosen is kind of just, you know, why am I here and why do I do what I do? Um, I can say, though, that this was written. Um, let's see, what is this? This is 2023 now. So it was written about a year and a half ago. Um, and my life has changed drastically in a year and a half. Um, so even everything that's in that book isn't my totality. Like, there's a lot that was left out. Um, and yeah, it, I think it, I think it, I think possibly I put it out to publish way too early um, because there's a lot that's just not said. So, but I do have one. <laughs> well, there's always room for additional. There is. Um, that's books. true. That's true. Um, one thing I really see in you is just being such a caring and loving person. Thank you. Um, do you see that in yourself? Um, I see that in myself for others. I'm trying to see it in myself for myself. Fair enough. <laughs> what do you think brought you to be that caring and loving? And how did you learn to be that for others? Hmm. Um, I think me becoming a mother at 16 um, really guided my heart um, to be what I needed. And so I needed to be loved and cared for deeply. And so the way that I got that was by giving it. So I gave it all to my daughter. Um, and then I gave it all 
um, to the men of my life who didn't necessarily all deserve it. (laughs) Um, And I gave it all to my children as they came one by one until the last two came at the same time. Um, And then I gave it all to my husband and um, because it's what I needed. Um, I think sometimes we do things out of out of our own selfishness on what we need um, instead of what the person in front of us truly needs. And so I think I did all of the caring and loving because it's what I wanted for me. So, yeah, if that makes sense. (laughs) Is motherhood what motivates you to be who you are today or is there something else? Oh, it's definitely motherhood. It's definitely motherhood. Motherhood, um, I mean, it's... It, it has defined me. I've been a mother for almost three decades now. Um, and it's all I know. Like, I didn't, I didn't do the um, teenage, the selfish teenage years. I didn't do that um, because I had my daughter at 16. So my selfishness went all to her. Um, I didn't do the party college years <laughs> because, you know, I was working. I was a working mom at the time. Um, you know, I didn't do the find myself as a young adult years um, because I didn't have time to because I had babies. Um, I had my second baby when I was 24. So there's an eight-year gap between them. But, you know, starting in tw- at 24, I just, you know... Um, I was now a mother of multiple children. And so, yeah, motherhood definitely defines um, my path in life. Do you feel like there was a role model for that? Or was it really looking internally um, at what you wanted and needed? I mean, I think what I did for motherhood, excuse me, I looked at the mothers in my world, um, my mother, my stepmother, um, my co-workers who were mothers. Um, and I kind of picked and cho- chose from each of them what I liked and what I didn't like um, and cultivated my own type of motherhood based on that. Um, so, no, there's not one that I can say, oh, yeah, she was... That's who I modeled my motherhood after because, no, there's not one out there that I did. It was just, yeah, it was kind of like a buffet of other mothers watching them because I am a people watcher. (laughs) I love to watch people. I love to um, um, just imagine their lives. Um, And I think that's why a lot of people gravitate towards me and start telling me their life stories. (laughs) Um, because there have been quite a few times in which I um, will walk into a room and get introduced to a few people, and before I know it, there's somebody standing in front of me telling me their life story. And and all I said was, hi, I'm Jennifer. <laughs> um, and so I, but I think people see it on me that they, that I care. You know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's not, um, it's not out of the ordinary for me, so I care that um, that they have a story, one, and two, I see them. And so I want to hear their story. 
because everybody has one and everybody needs a chance to say it. Um, yeah. And so I don't remember what the original question was, but that's where we went to. <laughs> well, I think we were asking about role model and I was oh, asking yeah, yeah. about related to motherhood. But in general life, do you think there's a role model that um, has shaped you into who you are today? That's a great question. Um, a role model who has shaped me into who I am today. I would say, again, it's kind of a buffet. Um, watching my daughter grow into the woman that she is, um, I have, I see a lot of me in her. Um, and I also see a lot of not me, but would like to be in her. Um, so I think just watching her grow and watching her maneuver in the world has helped to shape me. Um, and then there's my husband. My husband today, um, Tori Bates, is, um, I don't even know how to describe him. Like, amazing is a good word, but it's not the word um, because it doesn't necessarily say everything. Um, but he is an amazing man and just, um, and he loves me and he allows me to be me, which um, is new and different for me. <laughs> um, but he's helping to um, he's helping me to find out who I am so that um, and in that sense, shaping me um, to who I am on my terms, though, um, which is way new and different for me. Um, but I think, yeah. Definitely those two. Those are the two that I look at the most. Um, and then I can't forget my other children, though. I mean, they all, it's amazing um, to watch them, especially as they grow um, into actual human beings that are independent and confident and sure about who they are. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Um and it gives me, um, I am a proud mom, but I don't think proud is the word I'm looking for. Um, it gives me a sense of hope that, one, I did something right because they are decent, caring, loving, kind um, human beings that I'm putting out into this world, you know? And so um, that gives me a little bit of hope for myself that I can at least be half of that too. So, yeah. So other than motherhood and writing, what are your aspirations for yourself in the near future, as well as maybe the community around you in Raleigh hmm. and Memphis? And Memphis. Um, well, so Memphis is not my home, um, not my original home. It is my home now, um, but I am not from Memphis. I moved here a little over four years ago. Um, and when I got here, just to be perfectly honest, once again, I was sad <laughs> because I didn't bring all of my children with me because some of them were adults and had their own lives. Um, and so, and it was the first time I had ever not lived in the same vicinity as them. You know, I mean, obviously growing up, we were in the same home. And then when they went off to college, they didn't go far. Um, 
and then they became adults and they still didn't go far. And, you know, I, I never lived more than 10 minutes from my children. And then boom, bam, I get up and I move six and a half hours to Memphis. <laughs> Maybe we um, should back up there too. Okay. So I think, uh, um, if I remember correctly, you've lived all over the the United States and the world, probably. But probably your adult life was spent mostly in Atlanta. Is that correct? Correct. I'm an Army brat. I grew up an Army brat. My mother, when she got remarried, she remarried a military man. He was in the Army. Um, so my childhood was spent every two years moving from city to city, state to state country to country. Um, so yes, I have lived a little bit of everywhere. Um, but then my stepfather retired when I was right before I started high school. And so um, my mother was born and raised in Atlanta. So when he retired, she wanted to go back home, essentially. Um, so we moved back to Atlanta um, for his retirement. And that's where we stayed. So Atlanta was I was born there, um, but then left and came back my high school years. Um, and so Atlanta was essentially home because it was the first place I had spent more than two years at a time. Um, and so, yeah, starting in high school, I was in Atlanta. And then um, in the middle of high school, I got pregnant. <laughs> so I moved out of my mother's house, but I stayed in Atlanta because it was still home. It was the only home I actually knew at the time. Um, so, yeah, so I essentially stayed in Atlanta. I mean, I did move to Orlando for a little bit, um, but got homesick for Atlanta, so I went back. Um, so, yeah, Atlanta was home for many, many years. <laughs> and so then four years ago, you and Tori made the leap to, to move to Memphis. Correct. I'm sure there was some angst and a lot about of angst moving here. Yes. Um, what is something though that brought you to say yes to the move? Um, so it was God. I'm not even gonna lie. It was God because there was no, there is no other explanation as to why. Um, you know, when we first got here, everybody was like, you moved from Atlanta to Memphis? What is wrong with you? Um, and I didn't really understand that um, because God closed my eyes to all of the not so great things of Memphis um, in a time when I needed my eyes closed to that. Um, because honestly, I grew up, my grandmother loved watching cops <laughs> and um every time i would go over to her house it was on the sh it was on the tv cops um bad boys bad boys um but we would watch it and you know that's where i learned the term wife beaters because you know all the guys would be on the um front porch with their tank tops on but yeah anyway and so um what i didn't realize though is all of the shows I, were wa I was watching essentially were in Memphis. Um, and, you know, back then it was just like, well, I don't live in Memphis. I don't care. You know, I'm, I'm an Atlanta girl. And so um, I didn't think about it again, right? And my grandmother passed um, uh, a couple of years before we moved here. And when my husband came home and was talking about Memphis, and the possibilities that could be, 
The Lord literally closed my eyes and my ears to even remember that time sitting with my grandma watching cops. Um, because had I remembered that with children, because at that time, um, the twins were one. They were one years old. And there was no way, had I thought about that and correlated that with Memphis, that I would have been like, yeah, cool, let's move our whole family. Um, but I did. It didn't match up in my head. Like I wasn't thinking about that, um, and so it was God because God literally opened my eyes to only the things that would seem appealing to me to want to move. And so, what were some of those things? Um, for the kingdom. I mean, um, it's why we came here for the kingdom. Is the nonprofit that nonprofit that my husband runs. Um, in the Raleigh area of Memphis. And when we came to visit, probably um, a couple of months before we moved here, um, first of all, it was one of the coldest days in Memphis. <laughs> um, and I'm a Southern girl. I don't really like cold weather too much. Um, but when we came, I think it was about 10 degrees and the wind was howling. Um, and we went on a tour for the kingdom. <laughs> so we were outside walking um, this 100-acre campus, um, checking everything out, and I was freezing. Like, I don't even remember the tour. I don't remember what the buildings looked like. I don't remember that part of it. I just remember my fingers. I couldn't feel my fingertips when we were done um, because I didn't dress for the weather either. <laughs> I didn't pack for the weather, so I wasn't prepared. Um, but... When we were here, there was just such a sense of peace. As soon as we came on campus, it was peaceful. Like whatever was happening in the world, which I don't even remember what was happening in the world, whatever was happening in my world um, was gone. Like it was just, it was a peace that you can't even explain. It's just a feeling. Um, and you know, even driving around the city after we toured for the kingdom, after we toured the campsite, we, you know, our, our host drove us around a little bit. She took us to eat at um, Gus's Fried Chicken, <laughs> um, which for those who know me, I'm not a fried chicken girl, but, you know, I'll eat it if I have to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but it was just the whole time we were here, there was never anything. I was never afraid. I was never um fearful of a move in the fact that it's something different for our family like everything was just kind of peaceful and chill and calm and it 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 had to have been god because i don't really feel like that anywhere else if it makes sense and it's just um yeah it was him that's what brought us here do you still feel like that 4 years later i do i do still feel the sense of peace um, and now it's hilarious because now when I go back to Atlanta, um, to visit, I don't feel like I'm at home in Atlanta anymore. I feel like I'm on vacation or I'm visiting somebody and I can't wait to get home to Memphis <laughs> because this is my home. Yeah, this is where I feel at home.
have to say, hearing some of your stories from Atlanta to Memphis, as a born and raised Memphian, I kind of thought that was what Atlanta was like, the way you're describing Memphis. I get that. <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting to me to, to hear that perspective. I've heard it a few times before, but I think just now it kind of hit hmm. hit home. Um, but I think originally I'd asked you what your aspirations for the community and oh, yourself yeah. were. Oh, yeah, that's where I was going. Right and I, 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 I'm going to put words in your mouth, but I'm curious kind of your take on it, just hearing this. It seems like for the community is to bring peace and hope just as you feel when you're on this campus. Mm-hmm. It is. It's to it's it is to bring peace and hope. It's to um, bring a sense of belonging and a sense of I matter. Um, because too often um, when we get into a place of um, poverty. We start to think nobody cares. I have been there. I was a single mom before I met my husband, a single mom of four, and um, poverty and I were tight. We were best friends, and um, we, yeah, we we survived a long time together. Um, And in that, I didn't think anybody cared. I didn't think anybody thought about me or my situation and I didn't think I really mattered like even if I did speak up at the time you know would I matter enough for anybody to listen so um, to bring a sense of you matter you belong here somebody is thinking of you and cares for you and wants to hear from you Um, yeah to bring that to the community and let them experience the same peace um, by just stepping foot on campus yeah it's a it's a It's a beautiful thing to watch. I've watched it a few times when people come and visit um, or even when people come in for an interview for a job. um, And they I mean, they've said it many times that when they as soon as they step foot, there was just this sense of calm calmness um, that they didn't expect. And so the interviews that I do for jobs um, normally turn into um, storytelling (laughs) than it than more of an interview. And so I've heard many life stories um, but it's good. It's a place where people can do that. You know, the fact that I'm not so in a rush that I can't take the time to listen. It's a beautiful thing. It's something that seems to be very natural for you. Um, I've seen both you and Tori, um, at different events and I kind of make a joke to you often about you're up <laughs> to speak, knowing that that's not what you want to be doing. Mm-mm. At the same time, I've also seen you speak. I've seen you at um, For the Kingdom, um, the Feed the Block night, um, Mm. where you got up and spoke to the community a little bit, telling about your story and how things, um, how you did things the way you did. Um, And I think in this instance, it was talking about coming to to campus Mm -hmm. um if you can get to campus make it make it happen and you you made it happen Mm. um and so it's it's interesting to see that side of you too um (laughs) that it does exist it does exist (laughs) (laughs) and even in this format i mean i made a joke about being pretty anxious and nervous um (laughs) but it seems pretty natural for you and i think it's because you realize and i'm again putting words in your mouth but i hope that you'll say if different um because you feel in your heart that this can bring hope and peace Mm -hmm. to others 
that you are finding that it brings for yourself. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Um, I have a few more questions because I feel like your kids might get mad at me if okay. I don't ask them. But <laughs> um, I think this is kind of an interesting one because it could be um, answered in so many ways. But do you ever wish things were different? Hmm. And I would say we probably all wish maybe things were different, but then we probably at the same time maybe glad yeah. that there are the way they are. Yeah. Um, I would say, yes, I wish things were different um, in the world. Um, not necessarily in my life. I think um, I love my family. I love where we are in life. Um I love being around them and hanging out with them and laughing with them. Um, I'm at the point now that um, out of my nine children, six of them are legally adults. They're 18 and over, um, even though they're not all out of the house yet because we still got some finishing high school up. Um, but I love that part, so I wouldn't change any of that. However, this world... Um, I would change it. Um, I wish things were different in the world so that I would not um, stress so much when my children leave to go out for the evening or... Probably and your husband. And my husband. <laughs> oh, yes, and my husband. Um, you know, I, I would just like... I would like to feel the same peace mm -hmm. um, that I feel when everybody's at home. I would like to feel that same peace when they go out knowing that they will make it back home. So that's what I wish was different. <laughs> I can definitely agree with that. So the next question then might might change your mind or not, but what is one thing, instance, event, or person you would remove from your past if you could do so and send up, still end up where you are today? So, yes. Um, so for those that don't know, for those listening, um, some of these questions, some, are, some come from Meg, <laughs> and I appreciate you, um, and some come from my children, my adult children, everybody who has a phone, um, was asked, hey, if you could ask mom one question, what would it be? Um, and so this is one of those questions that came from one of my children. Um, and I thought about it. I, I've read these questions. Some of them I still don't have an answer to, but maybe as Meg asked me today, it'll just pop into my head. But this one I've thought about. Um, and the only thing that I can think of is actually um, a little difficult for me to talk about, but I will. Um, and after, um, so I had my daughter when I was 16. Um, her father and I got married, and um, then we split when I was 18. So at 18 years old, I was a single mom of a two-year-old, um, and it was hard, but we made it work. Um, and we enjoyed ourselves. We had a great time. And then I met a guy and um, I thought he was a good guy. I thought he was great. And we dated for a while. And then um, after about a year, we moved in with each other um, because everything was going great. And then things changed and he changed. And um, this great guy that I thought was really cool um, turned into an abuser. And um, 
It was a long, long year and a half, almost two years after that, after we moved in um, for me. And I would I would erase that part of my life. I would take that out. I would, um, if I could go back to um, 19-year-old Jennifer, I would say, do not open that door and meet that guy, period. Because um, he wasn't he wasn't worth it. If you erase that part, would you be at the same place you still are and who you are today, or do you think it developed some reason to want to do things like this and give a voice? That's true. Um, like I said at the beginning, I've lived many lives, yeah. and I think the many lives I have lived. Um, have helped shape me to um, be able to be an ear for people to feel comfortable enough to come to me and talk to me because I don't judge. Like, I can't judge. If you look at my past, I have no ground to stand on when it comes to judging somebody else. So, um, you know, as you've heard, I've been a teenage mom. I've been a single mom. I've been an abused woman. I've been... um, I've been many, many things, and I don't think people who are in those situations now would gravitate towards me and want to open up if they thought I was going to judge based on what they did did or did not know about me. So I think because I went through that, um, it gives me... Um, a sense of empathy. A sense of empathy, yes, in which people feel. And so... It makes them comfortable. So for that reason, no, I wouldn't change that in my life. Um, but if I could take that out and still be who I am today, I would. <laughs> Another question they asked is, what is a fear of yours that you wish you had the courage to face? <laughs> Public speaking, um, it, which you would laugh as I'm sitting here talking to you right now, right? Um, but this is easy for me. This is two friends sitting on the couch having a good old conversation and just, you know, I can do this. I can do this all day, every day. Um, but there are times when my husband, like you said, the feed the block thing, and my husband will say, hey, babe, you take the mic and go say this. And oh, I have like, to stop you there. Go ahead. You took the mic at the feed the block night. When? What? Out at Remind the me. Oh, at the community. you're talking about the... Um, yeah, the community dinner. Yeah. And it was just something that was natural to you, which was something that opened my eyes to say, wait, I don't know this, Jennifer. Now. <laughs> now I can do this. Um, I'm learning. I am learning. Um, but it's... I had to mentally prepare myself for that because I Fair knew enough. the Dine and Discuss was coming. I knew what the format was. Um and I talked ahead of time with my daughter, who was running it, and she said, hey, I may call you up on, I may need you to. And so I did. I had her back. So for that, yes. Because I watched um. the room. <laughs> Tori actually was sitting beside us mm -hmm. with the kids running around watching TV, I think. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> um, and so it was interesting to watch that side. And, and maybe you felt, as, you know, this is your community too. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a it's a mentally prepare myself. You know what I mean? It's yes, a, I do. Um, when you when I know ahead of time that I have to speak, then I can get ready in my mm -hmm. mind. 
that, okay, I'm going to have to speak. Yeah. Um, but it's those moments when, because my husband is a speaker, <laughs> he can get up on anybody's stage at anybody's time and just, I mean, by the time he's done, you will have written a check for more than what's in your account um, because that's just who he is, right? Um, and he makes you believe in everything that he's saying because he feels so passionately about it excuse me um and so and then later he'll call me and say hey babe come up and say something it's like whoa i'm not following that like (laughs) what all i have to say is hi people like um i mean i know i have a voice i know i have words i know people want to hear me um but sometimes standing in front of a room filled with people and faces that I don't know (laughs) Um, looking at me and hoping to hear some amazing speech or some quick little quirky thing that makes them laugh or makes them smile or makes them feel good about themselves. That's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. And so it's hard. And one thing you said (laughs) is that you don't judge, but would you say that you judge yourself? Oh, yeah. I am I am my worst critic. Most definitely. Yeah, I judge myself harshly. I don't I should not. I know I should not. But I do. Well, it's an interesting concept because I think you see how not judging others draws them to you. Mm. And so maybe it's working on letting go of the judgment of yourself mm. to draw yourself out. Mm. We're having a therapy session now. <laughs> you know, yes, one I funny do. story about even how we met um, was Tori gave this magnificent speech and my husband <laughs> was actually sick that night. Mm-hmm. And so it was just me with some friends, but I mean, it was just pretty much me. And um, so I'd been kind of longing for a community or a not-for-profit or something to connect with. And so I went up to talk to y'all and it was funny because Tori kind of passed me on to you. Yep. <laughs> Sounds like my husband. <laughs> and but it was it was great. I mean, my real um my real motive or I don't know if motive is even the right word, but was I knew that y'all had also just come to Memphis and Memphis is my home and something that I really love and am very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And yes, there's a lot of bad stuff and we could say that, you know, same with just a lot of things, mm. you know, we could say um, there's not always the great stuff in our family, but right. we still love them or, you know, whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah. And that's how I feel about Memphis. And so I think one thing I wanted to bring to you was to say, if you need somebody to say what is in Memphis or where is in Memphis, that's what I wanted to be for you. And then also hear about for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so then we decided to go to, go to lunch mm-hmm. and, we said we would include our husbands if they both came and it was <laughs> right. kind of like a last minute right. decision and, and the rest is history and some crazy stuff happened uh-huh. even 24 hours after that. But yes, um, it was, it's kind of interesting to watch and I kind of am in, intrigued by, you know, how you even felt like, is that <laughs> even something you wanted to be put in the middle of of time? <laughs> You knew that I was trying to talk about For the Kingdom. (laughs) And then he was like, okay, got to go. Peace out. (laughs) Yep, that's about right. So, um, yeah, back then, because that was at the end of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, Back then, it was 
for the kingdom was his world. Like that was it was his baby. Because um, when we first moved here, we made the decision. We worked together when we were in Atlanta mm-hmm. for a nonprofit. Um, and then when we moved here, we made the decision. Um, well, I politely and nicely said to him, <laughs> um, hey, the nonprofit is yours and I'll take care of the house. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to work together anymore um, because I needed a break. Mm-hmm. And so when we first moved here, that's how we that's how it was. And then, of course, COVID hit and nobody was really working. And then we were all working because um, we started the whole feed the black and everything. Um, but my side of the working it was volunteerism. You know what I mean? Like I was only volunteering when the babies were awake um, because we still had young ones, Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, at the end of 2021, I was more immersed in For the Kingdom and I was more, um, I understood more of what was happening and what we were doing and what was, um, what the goals were. But I was nowhere near top of my game where I could sit and have a conversation about For the Kingdom. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, when he did kind of um, was like, hey, Meg, nice to meet you. Here's my wife. Um, it was it was a little like overwhelming, like, OK, now I'm supposed to sit here and talk about For the Kingdom. I, I, I don't know this woman <laughs> and I don't know if I know FTK well enough to get her to care, <laughs> you know? And so, especially after he had just given a speech about it, and of course, whatever he said was powerful enough to make anybody care, but mm-hmm. then I follow it with a, oh, you know? And it's like, so it was a little overwhelming. Um, but there was something in you, like outside of For the Kingdom, outside of the um, party we were at, there was just something that was relatable and... Um, you were easy to talk to. Like, you kept a smile on your face. You always keep a smile on your face, so that makes it easy. Um, But there was just something in your eyes, like you really cared about what I had to say, even though I wasn't really saying anything. (laughs) Um, So thank you for that, (laughs) because you did make me feel like somebody, um, which is why I agreed to lunch, because it's like, yeah, I can sit and talk to her. She wants to hear me talk, (laughs) even though I'm not saying anything. Why not? Um, And then, yeah, the husbands joined us, too. So we had to let them in. Um, But here we are, you know. So Um, where do you think in the last even from 2021 to now, the the difference in you and where do you feel um, has changed even maybe in your involvement in FTK and the community and Memphis and Raleigh? Um, Well, I've definitely taken. I've taken on a major role at FTK. So um, I now I know the business. I know what's happening. I know I may not know the day and day in and day out of everything that's happening on campus, but I know the overall picture. I know what the goals are. I know what we're looking to do um, in and around the community for the future. Um, And now I'm a big part of it in the fact that I have I'm in the meetings and I'm in the spaces um, and the places that make decisions. So whether I'm making the decision or not, which um, is not always the case, I'm at least in the room so I know what the decision is. Um, So I can, it's easy to be on board when you know what's happening. You know what I mean? It's easier to um, 
um, to feel involved when people include you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's where I am now in the fact that um, just the things that we're doing now and the things that are on the horizon. um, I wish I had something like this when I was in a community of, um, of nothing. You know what I mean? When I was a young adult, a single mom, and just had no one and nobody, I wish I had an FTK near me, <laughs> you know? Do you think anything? there's anything FTK or, or non-FTK, other part, community partners, that you want to tell um, those that feel like they don't have a voice? Is, is there any um, avenue or um, thing that you're excited about people knowing about I want I want everybody to have a voice um just to be perfectly honest like I again I don't judge I don't judge for anything or any way I don't the only way you can upset me is if you do something to one of my children then me and you probably won't ever be friends um and you'll have to see the other side of me that mom side you know what's it called momzilla (laughs) like I can be a momzilla when people are um something with my children um But outside of that, it's like I don't judge. And so I want to hear everybody's voice. Um, I know I've reached out to a few um, nonprofits around the area, and I will be reaching out to many, many more um, to see if they would like to come on um, and sit and talk with me, because I just want to hear I want to hear their story. I want to hear their mission. I want to know what they're doing in the community so that others can get involved, Um, because, again, You only get involved if it's something that's close to your heart. But let's say you get to live that great life where you don't necessarily go through these hard trials and tribulations. Then how do you know where you fit in? You have to hear the story, right? You have to know because, you know, we'll look for the nonprofits that mean something to us. Like I was a teenage mom. So anytime that I was looking to volunteer before I started in the nonprofit world, I would always look for places that helped teenage moms because I resonate that that resonated with me. I, I could relate to that. Right. Um But now I see there's just, there's so much good work, especially here in Memphis. Oh my goodness, there's so much good work going on in Memphis that it's, um, it, it boggles my mind, like that nobody knows about all of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like there's little niches here and there, and it's like, but there's so much that's happening. And I just, I would like to be a place that, you know, people can come and listen and say, I didn't know about them. Let me get involved with them. Let me reach out to them um, because the work that's being done in and around the city, um, in the in the municipalities, everywhere is just it's it's so good. Yeah. And but but it's so good. But sometimes it's so quiet that you don't even know it's happening. You know what I mean? So. I just don't want us to be quiet anymore. Mm -hmm. I want us to, because I know the the whole pride thing of, um, you know, well, if I boast about this, that's me being prideful and, you know, I can't, you know, let's be prideful. Let's boast. Let's tell the community what we're doing so that they can get involved and they can help. And maybe, um, and maybe that one thing that I want to change with being stressed when my children leave the, leave my home 
won't necessarily be as big of a stressor if we all get together and start working these nonprofits and community events and everything together, you know, and, you know, be be our brother's keeper, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's a great note to end on. I think it's something I'm so excited about and just seeing y'all work as community partners, as you say, it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. It's really to bring everybody together. But the one last question I have to oh, ask. Oh, no. Here we go. When your momzilla comes out, who is your favorite <laughs> child? Oh, Lord, my favorite <laughs> child. This one's for you, Sheena. <laughs> um, my favorite child. Can, can I say that my favorite child is your child? Um, <laughs> I gave you that one. <laughs> um, let's see. I would say that my favorite child changes hourly based on who is not annoying me in the moment. (laughs) So y'all hear that. (laughs) Right, that's right. So for all of my children that are listening right now, right now all of you are my favorite children because no one has texted me or called me and asked me for anything. It has Um, nothing to do with y'all being in school. (laughs) But I can say, the first one that listens to this and texts their mother and says, Mom, great job, I love you. There could be a special prize for you just waiting. We'll see who that may be. (laughs) So, yes. Thank you, Meg. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you you you. for including me. Thank you for agreeing to this again (laughs) out of your comfort zone. I appreciate you, though. Um, I think it was good. I think we just we relaxed and we chilled and you you were very relaxed. (laughs) I will say that you did a great job. Well, thank you. You Thank you for having me. I look forward to many, many more. Um, And thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen as we use our voices for the good of others. Um, If you have any questions for myself, if you want to get to know me a little bit better, you can reach out um, on the website at www.31.com. T-H-I-R-T-Y-O-N-E dash eight, just the number eight dot com. So 31 dash eight dot com. Um, or you can find me on Instagram um, 30 underscore one underscore eight. Same um, same one spelled out. The 31 spelled out was just the number eight. Um, and just reach out. Let me know. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you have. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, if you want to come and sit and talk with me in this um, very cool, chill studio that um, Sir Nick over here has provided for us, come on. Um, we're located on the FTK campus for the kingdom in Raleigh. Um, so I would love to sit and talk with you as you are a voice for your voiceless. Um I hope you feel heard today. I hope someone sees you today. And we will be back very soon speaking up for the voiceless.